It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 227 of Lockdown Raptors for Tuesday, uh, November 14th. It's late on Tuesday. This might be up after midnight, but it's in essence Tuesday's podcast. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, LockdownRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. The show is on Twitter as well, Lockdown Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Of course, Lockdown Raptors is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out all the shows on the Lockdown NBA Podcast channel. Um, lots of great content from all the hosts across the league. we got a few new hosts hosting the Warriors show and the, the Bulls show. Uh, so make sure you're listening and, 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 and taking in all the content, listening to the teams that you're very interested in, uh, finding hosts that you like, and rating and reviewing their shows. And you should do that with us as well. Please go to the iTunes page for Lockdown Raptors. Leave a rating, leave a review. It's the easiest way to help out the show and, and show that you care and show that you want to support it. So... Uh, I appreciate you very much for doing it in advance. All right, on today's show, uh, coming to you again Tuesday night after the Raptors beat the Rockets 129-113, and it was awesome. And to talk about that and a whole bunch more stuff, we got into a lot. Uh, it's Matt Moore at HP Basketball, CBSSports.com. You know him. He's like one of the kings of basketball Twitter, and uh, very happy we could have Matt on. We talked about, again, the, the Raptors went over the Rockets. We talked about the Celtics game a little bit and sort of the late game issues there. We talked about Dwayne Casey and his revamping of the, the team system system this season and some kind of deep bigger picture team building stuff relating to Jonas Valanciunas and even DeMar DeRozan uh had a good chat with Matt and it was uh very nice of him to come on very late on Tuesday night to come and chat so I uh, hope you enjoy this one thank you so much for tuning in uh we'll be back again on Wednesday I'm going to do a, a podcast to tee up the Raptors and Pelicans game tomorrow morning with Jake Madison from Locked On Pelicans uh so we're going to tee up that we're going to sort of maybe reflect on the game last week between the Pels and Raptors and then look ahead uh to the rematch on, two, on Wednesday night uh, at the Smoothie King Center. Um, here's hoping the King Cake Baby makes an appearance, my favorite mascot on earth. Um, uh, the Pelicans, man, they're fun. Watch the Pelicans. They're they're really enjoyable. Uh, we'll talk about how fun the Pelicans are with Jake Madison. I think he's enjoying following this team this season. Uh, they're a lot less depressing than they have been in the past because Boogie and Brow are freaking incredible. So uh, we'll tee up that game for you and uh, dive into some bigger Pelican stuff as well. And I uh, hope you enjoy that one. But first, listen to this one with Matt Moore. Uh, thanks again to Matt for coming on. We'll be back again again tomorrow with Jake Madison. Until then, have a great night, everybody, and talk to you soon. Cheers. All right, joining me now on Locked On Raptors. Uh, very happy to have him on. We've been trying to get this set up for a while now. A wonderful supporter of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Uh, you know him as at HP Basketball on Twitter. It's Matt Moore. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm really happy to finally get you on. Uh, and I thought that, like the tone for this podcast was going to be a lot darker. Uh, when we set it up for Tuesday night, I was expecting, you know, after that Celtics loss on Sunday, it was pretty dark for a day there or so. And then I was expecting a loss, frankly, in Houston tonight after the Rockets had won, what, six straight, and they were playing really well. James Harden was putting up just insane numbers on everybody, and he put up pretty good numbers tonight, too. But the Raptors ended up winning. 
Uh, pulled out a 129-113 win. Uh, you caught the tail end of it. I watched the whole thing. The first half was just a glorious spectacle of ball movement and OGN and Obi hitting all the threes and CJ Miles doing the same. Uh, 76 points in the first half, and they ended up... It got a little hairy in sort of the end of the third, start of the fourth, but the Raptors pulled it out, uh, tightened up on defense. OG Ananobi, again, like, just... Uh, I don't know. He started his first career game, had a career high, 16 points, hit three or four threes, uh, was a plus 22, a team best. He was incredible. Um, so you watched the tail end of this game. What were your takeaways as the Raptors were just barely hanging on and then eventually pulled away? I think it's impressive for them to have done what they did defensively versus Houston. They held Houston to 42%. Now, a lot of this is just, to be honest with you, like the the Rockets got up 39 three-point attempts, and yeah. they want to aim for 50. So you did good at not getting them up over 45, but <laughs> they got up 39 of them, and they only made 12. And that's just like the way the Rockets live, right? Is there just like, if they have a night where Ryan Anderson goes 2 of 6 and Eric Gordon goes 0 for 7 from 3-point range, (laughs) they're probably going to lose. Like, that's just the reality of how the team is constructed, which is not to say that they're not a good, that they're not, that they're all offense, because they're not. Houston's really actually is a surprisingly great defensive team. So for for the Raptors to get this offense going, um, I thought it was interesting because in what I saw, I haven't seen the whole thing yet, but from what I saw in the first half, like, they were sharing the ball and there was lots of ball movement and then, like, as the game wore on, it became more and more the typical DeRozan Lowry show. Mm-hmm. Um, OG obviously contributing, and then CJ Miles with 19. I saw him knock down um, a few of those as well, six of nine. I mean, that guy's how, how good has that acquisition acquisition been? Um, I, I think it's more. Like, I, I have a lot of confidence in this team. I think they are two moves away from being a super contender in the East. And by that, I mean being legitimately like, no, the Raptors are just better than the Cavs. Mm -hmm. They are two moves away from that. It's getting Jonas Valanciunas as far away from the, from the nation of Canada as possible. (laughs) And, and then another move that we shouldn't talk about because it's, it's controversial. But like, I think that this team on its own is really good. And OG Ananobi, I can't look, I'm here in Denver and on draft night, I cannot tell you how upset that front office was that the Raptors were just, snuck in there and we're like yeah we'll take OG right before them they were so set on taking him he was high on their board very high on their board he was the reason they traded the the pick to Utah that became Donovan Mitchell Mm -hmm. was because they were like we'd rather have OG and we can get him later and then Masai did what Masai does got him he's been I think terrific he's really exciting um I like I like this team uh the Celtics loss was bad it was really bad but at the same time they caught the Celtics when they were playing their absolute best, and on, and this is something that I'm rambling, but just hang with me. No, go for I, it. This is one of those things that, that um, very few people that, that cover the NBA night in and night out will understand. If you say, actually, I expected them to lose because the Celtics were without Kyrie Irving, people will go, what? Like, are you, <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's why, and it is. It's a bad loss. Like, without Kyrie Irving, you should have enough firepower to get past him. But that's not how the NBA works. A star player goes out and immediately the team rallies. It happened with Hayward after they got through their tough adjustment in the beginning. And then it happened again when Kyrie went out. They rallied. And so that game, honestly, I think is okay to me. I think the Raptors' best games are ahead of them. I think that, that this team is in a great place. This is a – for you know the Celtics' loss and the Nuggets' loss were two of their worst losses of the season within a span of about 10 days. Mm-hmm. And so to respond and have this win, that's a monster win for them, I think. 
Yeah, especially since it's kind of near the tail end of the really tough start to the schedule. They had that six-game road trip after being in Hawaii in the preseason and kind of throwing themselves off that way. And then you go on this other three-game road trip against the the Celtics and then a back-to-back in Houston and New Orleans. And to have this win against Houston, I think it's pretty huge. They're going to go back at least 8-6. and six, And then I believe, I think Blake Murphy, our, our friend and overlord, has, has, has tweeted this out, that the Raptors have the easiest strength of schedule for the rest of the season after the, they get the game against New Orleans tomorrow. So like they're, I think they're in a pretty good spot. Um, you mentioned the, the controversial second move that needs to potentially be made. I'm guessing DeMar DeRozan is somewhere involved in that? Yeah, I yeah. just... I, I I know how popular he is. I know he's an all-star, and I know that this is insane to say on a night when he had 27 points on 7 of 16, uh, 13 of 16 from the free throw line, and five assists to go with six rebounds. But um, I happened upon this thought the other night, and I was just like thinking, I was like, what if they had C.J. McCollum instead of DeMar DeRozan? Hmm. Like, what does that team look like? Um, and if Raptors fans haven't been, been kind of like watching, CJ McCollum's taking a big leap this season, and no one's kind of onto it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not in any sort of obvious ways. He's not scoring more. He's not shooting better. He is running offenses on his own as a secondary playmaker, and sometimes the primary playmaker. Uh, and he's playing better defense than he ever has. He's legitimately been a good defender this season. Fair enough. Um, and both of those things, like one of those things, DeRozan can do. He can run an offense. But the other is, is still, you know, kind of an issue. And so I just keep thinking about what this team would look like if it had C.J. McCollum. Part of it is just, you know, the Raptors with OG and Anobi, you know, hitting three or four from deep. And, and the combination of everything he brings to the table. And, and you look at guys like Pascal Siakam, who, who is still developing, and Bebe. And then, you know, guys like DeLon Wright and Van Vliet to go with C.J. Miles. And even Pirtle, who's... You know, very earthbound, but at least is, is mobile. They have this like really switchable, hyper versatile lineup, like all right there. It's mm-hmm. like all right there, except they have a traditional two guard, Demar Derozan. Like everything is like super modern, and then there's Demar. Yeah. And so I just keep thinking, like, what if you unlock like another level by moving him? And was, again, I get that this sounds insane on a night when they have this huge <laughs> win, which is not to say that they need to. I just keep looking at it from a perspective of. And look, I picked the Raptors in preseason. I said, they're going to win the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And I still believe that, even with the Celtics start. The Raptors are going to win the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I also picked them to get knocked out by the eighth seed in the first round. (laughs) Um, And that's the two side of the Raptors, right? So I'm interested in, in, in Toronto going from where they are now to somewhere new. And their, their efforts right now are trying to take what this roster that they've had you know, and think about this: like DeRozan, Lowry, and that, and JV have been around the same core for what five years? Yeah, five, six years. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you've you've done this over and over and over again, and you've added new pieces, and I get like trying to modify it to get to the right place. But even Dallas, you know, Dallas had had um, Josh Howard, Jason Terry, Dirk Nowitzki, mm-hmm. and they kept Jet, and they kept Dirk, obviously. But they modified how they ran their team by adding Tyson Chandler and Jason Kidd, and they they turned how that team operated. And I keep looking at kind of the Raptors in the same kind of sense of like, what if you took this team and you just like turned how it operated in some sort of key function? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I think a loss like the one to the Celtics on Sunday kind of highlights just kind of the existential conundrum that the team is sort of facing with DeMar and, and Kyle to a certain extent as well. And I, I mean, I, I don't really buy the whole Kyle's a bad playoff player. I think he's been more hurt than he has been bad in the past, but that's a different conversation. But in terms of DeMar, like, yeah, I, I do think just, and I've kind of settled on this and I've kind of just become okay with it because I'd rather watch good basketball than not good basketball. I've become okay with the idea that like the Raptors are kind of capped out in terms of what their overall talent is with DeMar and Kyle being their two best players. And like, I still think that can be a lot of fun. I mean, you're a Grizzly supporter, right. and like that team is probably capped out in yeah. terms of what they can do, but holy shit, that team is really fun. It has exactly. been fun for a long time. So that's kind of where I've settled. Um, and yeah, maybe there is something about DeMar's game and his sort of his inefficiencies that you know lead to playoff you know shortfalls and, and are easier to guard in the playoffs. But like, I think I'm just fine with that in an era where LeBron is owning right. the East and Golden State is Golden State. Um, I do think, though, I wrote about this actually after the Celtics loss because um, if you haven't read it, uh, everyone out there, the LockdownRaptors.com, I, I, I'm starting a new thing after the Raptors lose games uh, where I'm writing about a good thing that happened because things get really miserable on Raptors Twitter after losses, um, especially that one on Sunday. And I wrote about OG Ananobi, and he kind of backed it up tonight in that like he might be the sort of gateway to a higher plane for this team, even if DeMar is still on the team. I just think OG... His defense, his ability, I mean, he was guarding James Harden today as a rookie in his 13th career game and doing a pretty decent job of it and kind of switching, and he's done that throughout the season. His passing is, you know, already at a really high level. He had one assist tonight, but a couple other really smart reads, and he's, I think he's got like a 3-to-1 assist to turnover ratio this season as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think there are still ways in which the Raptors can elevate themselves, even if DeRozan's still on the team. Like maybe they sort of phase him into a, a lower sort of, you know, rung on the totem pole. Maybe it just is a matter of him hitting more threes. And like he's, you know, people laugh at the idea of DeMar hitting threes, but like it's starting to come a little bit this season. He was over three tonight, but he's had a pretty nice run of like, you know, actively looking for threes and not being afraid to pull up and, and sort of at least offering the threat of a corner three or, or, or one in like a catch and shoot from, you know, above the break. And and, you know, I think there's still room for DeMar to grow. How much he can grow, who knows? He had a few good games on defense, and that kind of went away this season as well. Uh, it was pretty bad tonight against Harden, and that was kind of the reason why OG ended up taking him for the most part in the fourth quarter. But um, I, I don't know if having DeMar just completely precludes them from getting to a better place. I think there's some stuff on the roster, and I think that kind of speaks to the roster-building mentality where they can kind of keep this good team and then also build something maybe even more on top of it, like a really nice house extension. And I think OG could kind of be that guy. Well, I think uh, the other reason that I say this is, Okay, so the tone of this comes across as like, DeMar DeRozan is bad and holding you back. Like, DeMar DeRozan <laughs> is not bad. And this is, like, he's an all-star. Like, he's, a, he's, an extre- he's an incredible one-on-one scorer. Um, and his, I will say this, like, his playmaking efforts, both when Lowry was out last year and to start this season, like, it's hard for a guy to make the adjustments that he's making. Yeah. Like, that's genuinely difficult. And for him to have done so, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Oh, man, watch um, his first quarter tonight. He will be, uh, I think he had five assists tonight. I think four yeah. came in the first quarter. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, but my also thing is, well, look, is his value for you ever going to be higher mm-hmm. than right now? Like, you trade him right now, and you're trading all-star DeMar DeRozan. Some poor franchise with a GM that's desperate to keep his job, looking <laughs> for something to shake things up, and you say, 
We have a multiple-time All-Star capable of scoring 40 for you on any night, and you've got him on an extension for another couple of years. Like, how about that? Like, we would need huge return for this kind of a player. And you might be able to get that. That's what I think is kind of exciting about it is, is DeMar is good enough to elicit a, a trade that could just bring in, like, a Celtics-type package of assets, um, which could be really beneficial both now and in the future because I think that Masai has done such a great job of stocking this team with good young talent mm-hmm. uh, for when the three the three big contracts of, of uh, Lowry, DeRozan, and Ibaka, Ibaka all expire. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't it be great if you were just like, man, like they are, they are, they've already made that transition, and they are loaded, and they can like slowly let Lowry fade versus like letting versus having to make that decision with Lowry, uh, and that's the risk, right? Like DeRozan is going to be better for longer than Lowry because of both age and just the way that their games are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's that the hesit there's that kind of I think hesitation to be like, well, maybe I should get rid of Lowry first because he's on the slide. But I just I continue to think that Lowry can be the engine that makes this team go. There's nothing about Lowry's game where I ever go like like Lowry is never a player where I'm like, man, they would be if they if Lowry was different, they would be better. With DeRozan, even when he has these huge scoring nights, I'm always still like, not tonight again. He was phenomenal, 27 on 16 shots. But like most nights, I'm like, well, it's like Lamarcus Aldridge. It's like okay, well, you know, he had he had 30. 22 shots like is the yeah. efficiency overall gonna work out i mean the rockets also did a horrible i did see this the rocks did a horrible job keeping him off the line which is like the celtics you know it's funny the celtics made so many comments about stay down stay down stay down stay down stay down don't fall for the pump fake the nuggets <laughs> did the same thing like the nuggets were literally just shouting out stay down stay down stay down on his pump fake and houston just nope just let him get the line whenever he wanted to and when you let when you let demar Derozan dictate the whistle, you are screwed. It is done. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I, I I go back and forth on this in terms of, because, yeah, I do think I see what you're saying in terms of, like, yeah, maybe there's a move out there where you could un- unlock sort of a higher ceiling where you're not relying on DeMar so much. I mean, I'm probably biased because I've watched DeMar for, you know, most of my adult life, and it's... Uh, it, he's a folk hero. Yeah, like, he is. Like, and he was, he was the guy, I talked, I did this big feature on him. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I did, I did a feature on Rudy Gay in 2010, I want to say. Yeah, 2010, before Grit Grind really took off. Uh, and I was kind of like, there's this kind of perception that you would want to play elsewhere, that you might be the kind of guy that would... And I was, like, trying to softball it to him. I was like, you know, but I'm sure that, you know, you see how much this team can really do and what the city's capable of. He's like, you know, I think a lot about how cool it would be to be somewhere else. And that was like, the first time that I was like, uh-oh. That's... <laughs> but DeRozan is, like, the polar opposite where he just threw himself into building a culture. When that team was terrible, horrible, he was still like, I love it here. I love being the guy here. And all of his teammates loved him. Mm-hmm. Like, Ed Davis fell apart when he went to Memphis because of the culture that DeRozan had instilled there. Mm-hmm. Um, Lowry doesn't get over his taciturn grumpiness. 
if it's not for DeMar. Like, DeMar has made so many contributions to the franchise that if you want to make that argument for we should never, ever trade him, that I completely understand. I'm like, no, that makes sense. Like, it doesn't matter how far you go or how good your team can be or, or whatever. Like, that makes sense. He's a, he is a cultural institution to that franchise, and that matters a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I am in that I don't really think you could pass it off and like and sell it to anybody by trading Demar. I mean, they've marketed the team as his. He's the last guy to come out in intros. I, you know, you you see in that game against the Celtics, like Demar is the guy getting the shots. Maybe as much as Lowry should be the guy, you know, who's the featured guy in the offense. Like it's Demar, and his it's his show. And maybe there's a, a ceiling attached to that. But I think if like you're being realistic and looking at what the the next level of ceiling could be, like it's still not where you want it to be. Like that, and that's kind of why I kind of just I, I maybe I'm a settler, maybe I'm like just like content and, and happy in my ways. But like I'm down to watch Demar Derozan make fools look dumb with his footwork until he's 38. I don't I don't care. Um, but I do totally see why you know, the the argument is out there that there would be a trade or or something like that that could unlock something higher with them. Um, I, the other thing too though is that like what is the trade and what is the the the, the dumb team that is out there looking to take on DeMar. Um, and that's just to say that it's a dump for taking on DeMar, but like to give up a huge boatload of assets for DeMar, you're signing yourself up for the same problem the Raptors are facing. And I, I just don't really, you know, the market for stars the last year or so, like the guys who've been traded over the last year are much better than what DeMar is. Like Paul George, DeMarcus Cousins, these guys aren't getting huge returns. And yes, their contracts factor into that as well. But I just, I don't really know what the move would be because it's obviously with his contract, you know, just the, the sheer money, it's really hard to make something work. And the assets coming back, like I don't really agree that they could get like a Celtics level package for DeMar DeRozan. I think they could get something nice. But I don't think it would be something that is like changing your life the way the Celtics did with uh, the Garnett and Pierce moves. Well, let's put it in context. Uh, just I, I agree. I can see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but put it in context. Let's look at those moves, okay? Demarcus Cousins. Well, he's buggy and he's a huge nightmare, and yeah. the organization is constantly in flux, and Vivek's insane, and <laughs> there's like all these things that go into the fact that he got dealt, right? And even then, the package was better than what we wound up seeing with a lot of other guys. Paul George, well, pretty clear why that happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he forced his way out through a free agency trade demand. That's, like, how he got out. Um, and then Presti just, like, swooped in and took advantage of a, of a weak situation where Danny Ainge overplayed his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler. The Bulls have been trying to trade him for years. Like, they were never going to get good return for him because the Bulls never really valued him. They were just tired of his attitude, whatever that means. So that wasn't the thing. Um, Kyrie Irving. Right, Kyrie Irving is traded for Isaiah Thomas, who has obviously the hip injury. Jay Crowder, a valuable role player, and the Nets pick. That's a really good return for Kyrie Irving. And I would put DeMar DeRozan above Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, I, I look at it as if you find the right partner that's desperate. And then I, maybe the trick, though, is that teams are, are wise to this. That they know, like, well, look, we can't. We just can't give up as many assets for a guy that can't shoot, for a shooting guard that can't shoot threes. Because right. we'll be in the same situation where the Raptors are, where it's like he's really good and we win some games, but there's a ceiling because he can't space the floor and we don't have Kyle Lowry. <laughs> um, so that's definitely possible. But I just think it's interesting to at least kick the tires on the idea. Mostly I'm interested in what this Raptors team could be if they weren't bound to certain identities. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, if they weren't... Because they're still trying to... What they're basically trying to do is take what worked and mold it into something more modern. And I think it's, an, it's a good approach. I, I think it's good that they've tried to like adapt without you know, putting them so far outside the comfort zone because we've seen teams try and do that and it backfires. 
Mm -hmm. So there's like a nice natural evolution happening. Um, A lot of this is also just how much I believe in in Norman Powell. Like I'm just so big big on Powell that that makes it, I'm always like, well, you know, um, the on-off stats are are fascinating for this team. Have you looked at them? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's always, that's always kind of the, the, the core question with DeMar, right? Is like how much of the the disparity is Lowry playing with bench units and it's really hard to draw anything from this season's on off numbers just because they've had so many dudes playing and they've had so many different lineups and it's hard to figure out where the noise is coming from well, but and, well and the big two started off so rough yeah like, they exactly were yeah. bench unit the first like seven games and like OG I think right now has the best on court net rating on the team <laughs> like that that shouldn't happen when you're a rookie I mean maybe OG's just that important but. Like, I don't think it, the Raptors' on-court numbers have kind of had enough time to flesh themselves out, but sorry, I didn't mean to step on your point. Go ahead. But no, it's fascinating. I mean, I just did, yeah. I genuinely wonder what you thought of them, because yeah. I, you're right that they have used so many lineups. I didn't notice that. Um, it is just, just, it's really fascinating. I mean, even, you know, DeMar is like the obvious one, because he actually has the, the worst on-off differential mm-hmm. in terms of their 9.2 points worse. But then you look at it, and it's like, okay... You know they're they're fourteen point two points better defensively with Demar on the bench. Mm-hmm. That cannot be attributed to him. No matter how bad Demar <laughs> can be at times, he's not fourteen point two points worse. Um, JV is the obvious one though, and, and I yeah. just I, I why is he starting? That's a that's like a question that I have. Is like why why continue to hammer this? Why could why at what point do you just be like we're just better? We're just we're better in situations where he's not on the court. Yeah, I think the obviously they're playing the politics thing and the oh this guy makes more money thing and like in fairness starting lineups have never meant that much to Dwayne Casey in the past like he's not rolling yeah. out starters to close games otherwise Luis Scola would, would have been on the court for a lot of finishing games when they won 56 games and that wasn't going to happen so I don't know if I think the starting thing is much more ceremonial to Dwayne Casey than it is maybe to other coaches so maybe that's why it is. Um, but yeah, there there are certain matchups where he works. He looked pretty good tonight in the first few minutes against Clint Capella, but then they started to attack him in the pick and roll. And Jonas Valanciunas, unless he apparently, unless it's defending a boogie brow pick and roll, he can't defend it. Um, so yeah, it, it's that is the thing for me more than DeRozan, and I think than anything that is the the most frustrating and sort of ceiling capping thing on this team and maybe it, you know it, it's not that much of a ceiling capper because they they limit Valanciunas's usage he only played 17 minutes tonight and he's been a guy who has not played a whole lot a lot of the time uh, over the course of his career and missed out on fourth quarters and made the JV hive very angry but um yeah I think the, the the starting thing I don't love it I think it's maybe a rebounding thing with Serge Ibaka as well uh Baca hasn't rebounded very well at the five I would love to see Yaka Pertle start. <laughs> I gotta say, man, like a Pertle Abaka front court would, would be just it would be music to my ears. I don't think we're gonna see it um, unless it, things get really bad. But like Valanciunas is just kind of what he is at this point, and I don't think there's any sort of uh, you know if the Raptors have already kind of been you know the rumored to want to trade him and stuff like that. So I feel like the cat's out of the bag that they realize that he's not you know long for the like the long term future of this team. So why not just put him on the bench if that's already out there? That's kind of that's the argument, I suppose. And he looked good, I guess, in situations last season in the playoffs when he came off the bench and scored a bunch of points. But at the same time, the Cavs were just funneling everything to him and living with his twos while they rained threes on his head on the other end. Um, and then when you have Valanciunas on the bench, that kind of goes counteract counteractive to what the Kyle Lowry and bench units like to do, which is run and play defense. And Jonas doesn't really do that, so. I mean, you had the tweet a couple nights ago, like, what does Jonas do that fits in the modern NBA? And the answer is, like, 
aside from the odd time where he makes a nice pass on a short roll, which he did a couple times tonight, like it's not a whole lot. Yeah, I, there's just not really a role for him, and it's funny because it's obvious that Messiah stocked this team with dudes that can do more than that. And, you know, Pirtle's shot shots are layers because it's like all internal. It's just that he's <laughs> just such a different player fundamentally in terms of his mobility. It just really and the energy that he brings and the mm-hmm. effort that he brings. It's just there's just such a, a different shift, and and I don't know. Like, um, it's nice just because if they lost this game. It's fu- it, it's just funny how these these early season swings go because we're out of kind of the we don't know anything now we know like a little bit but mm-hmm. everything swings on every game where you know Memphis beats a good team and it's like man the Grizzlies are just solid they lose to like a couple of bad teams and it's like same old Grizzlies <laughs> uh, the Nuggets like go on a, they go five and one on a homestand and it's you know this team is really putting it together they lay an egg versus Portland and it's like mm, same old Denver and now if they if the Raptors had lost this game. Then it was like they suffered a bad loss to the Celtics without Kyrie. And they went on the road again and got, you know, beat by Houston, who's better than them. Like, where are they really going? But now it's like, all right, well, they won that one. Um, now they're going into New Orleans, a team that they can beat. Um, and, you know, I, I'm I'm right back where I, I think I've, I've been all season, which is just I still believe in this team's ability to win regular season games. Like, they're just a machine. And people underrate how good the continuity chemistry and really, honestly, for a guy that for years, every season, faced questions about whether or not he was going to return. Like Dwayne Casey, just deserves a lot of credit for building a foundation that can that can win games to this clip. And you get that point where you're like, yeah, but he, you know, the playoffs or the next step or they could be better. I get that, but you also got to think of things. Your next hire is not always going to be Steve Kerr. It's almost never going to be Steve Kerr. Mm-hmm. And so understanding what Dwayne Casey has brought this franchise. Like, I think it's really important um, to be in a place where this team is relevant every night. This is the, the what, fourth of the season where the Raptors are a relevant team. And that, I think, is really important to look at in the, in the perspective of the history of the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he's been put in a weird spot this season, too, having 12 dudes who are regularly getting time. Um, like, it's, it's not easy. Youngsters. Yeah, they're all young. It's not easy to juggle all that. Uh, tonight he was without Norm Powell. He starts Ananobi. That works out perfectly. And he's had some sort of weird decisions late in games. He seems to really trust Fred Van Vliet for crunch time minutes, which um, I think there are better options than Fred late in games, as good as Fred's been and as you know hard as he plays. Um, but like he's in a really tough spot where there are so many guys who are putting in you know contributions that are deserving of extra minutes and and sort of his plaudits and it, it's really hard and so you're ending up with these you know strange games where you're getting 12 guys playing there's like very little lineup data to go on um, and that's probably going to be counteractive to them long term when they don't know exactly what lineups are best for them in, in what situations and what they want to sort of ride as their go-to looks but I mean, he's been put in a really tough spot this season. He's completely changed the offense. I mean, the Raptors put up 33s tonight. Um, they had 28 assists. Like, last season, that would be a story when they put up 28 assists. Now it's just kind of the norm when they're, you know, in the mid-20s, close to 30. Um, and, yes, maybe late in games they've had some issues where things have kind of, you know, stalled out a little bit and they've gone, gone back to their old habits. But also, we're a month into the season and things don't change immediately. And, you know, development isn't linear and neither is changing, you know, five-year-old habits. So... I think overall, you're totally right. Casey's done a really nice job. What's your stance on like the 12-man rotation? Is it something that you think has to be pared down at some point, or are you just kind of like, you know, in the interest of development, like get all these guys in while you can, and then like figure it out near the end of the season, you know, after you know a few months, five months or so of having a like a large sample of these guys across a bunch of different looks. 
roll deep until March 15th and then tighten. Yeah. That's like the, that is the way to do it. Um, you save the energy of the guys. Uh, I would highly recommend that they start implementing rest nights, like actively just being like, yeah, we're just going to rest Kyle. Yeah. Um, we're just going to, and even do a multi-game stretch. Like honestly, their point guard depth is so good right now. Yeah. Uh, and they have so many weapons that I don't think that I think they can, they can skate, especially in the Eastern conference. I think they can skate a lot of nights without Lowry. Uh, I would, once they build a comfortable kind of cushion in the East, uh, from the mid tier, I think that they should definitely look at getting Lowry some rest nights and working that in. And for that purposes, you know, you want to have different options in case one of the guys isn't like if if Van Vliet's not having it that night, you know, go to right. Like have these different options that you can kind of um, switch to, and DeRozan can run offense most of the time anyway. So I, I think the the depth is really important for their ability to uh, to to manage minutes this season. Mm-hmm. It's good to find out who, who's there. I would also say, though, is don't keep guys in the rotation just to keep guys in the rotation. That's how you wind up messing with stuff. Right. I've seen that with other teams. Is it, when you go too deep, then guys start wondering, why is that guy getting minutes? Not Like, why is that guy playing the same amount of minutes as me when I'm playing much better? So you got to be careful about, like, okay, he just can't play. And they've been pretty good about that. Like, that's why Bruno doesn't play, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Bruno, today, I was at the D-League game today. Bruno had 21 and 10. He had three threes. He was really good. <laughs> just just the Bruno update that everyone needs. It's, uh... <laughs> just, might, might wind up being one of the greatest D-League players of all time. When he's, all of a sudden, uh, he's on track. Look, <laughs> that, that sounds like a really funny joke. Um, until I always like try to explain this. I was like, you realize that you know outside of very select, European leagues, like not all European leagues, select European leagues. The D League is still means that you're in like the top, what ninety seventh percentile of all basketball players on the planet. Yeah, you're doing probably, all right. Like probably more than that. Like there, there's something to be said for that. Um, and but you know, it, it, there's still time, and so we'll see. But anyway, it just Bruno is an example of a guy where they don't feel the need to just force them into the rotation. And that's, that's maybe the nice thing about it is they have this deep rotation, but it's not deep for the sake of being deep. The Raptors have a deep rotation because they have so many guys that can contribute in so many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think Bebe might be kind of teetering on not being in the rotation and sort of being Which one of Which I don't get. I love when I see him play. Like, yeah. I just... I catch him on all the... I catch him all the <laughs> nights when it's like he has those stretches for five minutes where he's actually playing well. Yeah, like but- I, like, I'm very – and I was down on him when people first were going bonkers over him. Like, he was one of those kind of cartoon mascot characters for a <laughs> while in the league where – like, there's just – they're guys that James Herbert likes. Yeah. That's, that's just, like, who they are. Like, my colleague at CBS, James <laughs> Herbert, like, he loves that dude. He loves all of these guys. And, and I'm like, are, you know, are they actually good or not? Um but then I thought last year I thought he really developed, and I think that he's that his rim protection brings a different dynamic that I think that they need. So like I'm not like I hope that he's able to pull out of this because I'm I've actually started to believe in Bebe a little bit. Yeah, I mean you, you get the really great games like that game he had had against Portland a couple weeks ago where he was like 17, 10, yeah. 5 or whatever. Um, but then you get games like tonight where he had five minutes and didn't do much and got kind of roasted in the pick and roll a few times. And then there were games like last week where they played the Pelicans and he came in in the middle of the first quarter as the first big off the bench, picked up three fouls in 87 seconds and never saw the floor again. Um, yeah. 
because yeah. he doesn't know how to not set a moving screen at this point, I think. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's it's a good thing to have the depth, I think. And people are already kind of getting concerned about how deep they're going and the and the rotations and the Fred Van Vliet playing in the fourth quarter. But I do think it's there, there's a lot of merit to developing on the fly and like just having guys play minutes in, in tough situations and seeing what happens. And like the Raptors are going to be fine. They're going to win a bunch of regular season games anyway, as you alluded to, even if they sort of maybe cough up one or two here because they play the wrong guy in the wrong moment. Um, but no, like... To go back to your overarching point, like Dwayne Casey's done a really good job of managing it all, and he's getting a lot of really good performances out of all these young guys, and he deserves to be commended, I think. Um, Matt, I think that's all. I'm going to not take up any more of your time. I appreciate you coming on, man. This was great. Uh, one last parting shot. Trey Burke today. Uh, are you wondering how Trey Burke's doing in the G League? I am. Yeah, he I'm was really her. bad. <laughs> he, I mean, he was like he had 24 points, 8 of 16, but... Uh, he in the final minute the the, the Knicks were down uh, two to the 905. Sorry, they were down one to the 905, and Trey Burke had two free throws to to take the lead and missed both, um, and they eventually lost. And it was a uh, it was a dark time. Trey Burke. <laughs> I was not expecting to watch Trey Burke at 11 a.m. this morning. I gotta say, um, but anyway, that, I, I, that's life. <laughs> yeah, we just had the D League on. The, I had the D League on the mind, so I thought I'd throw that at you. Um, no, Matt, thanks for coming on, man. This was great. Uh, do you have anything you want to promote right now? Um, well, if Raptors fans are interested in Marcus Smart, I have a thing on him coming out tomorrow. <laughs> uh, no, I think, actually, I'm probably going to do uh, a look at Toronto here in the next couple of weeks. I'm actually going to probably make some calls and talk to some folks. And I'm really fascinated in this team, and I think that they're very good. And um, After years of warring with Raptors fans, I am glad that, that, that we have come to some reasonable accord, which will be blown up by the fact that I suggested that they trade him after he had 27 points on 16 <laughs> shots tonight, along with five assists, uh, in a win over the Rockets. But still, I'm glad that we've had this nice time together, even if it's soon to end. Yeah, it's okay. No one listens anyway. It's fine. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, at HP Basketball on Twitter, CBSSports.com. Uh, hopefully we can do it again, man. Thanks, man. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.